0: Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church Podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Amen. All right, grab your Bible, go with me to the book of Exodus, chapter number one. The book of Exodus, chapter number one, and then I'm gonna read a few verses there, then we're gonna get over into chapter number two. The book of Exodus, chapter number one, shouldn't take you too terribly long. If you're in, you know, Micah, Micah, you're too far. If you're over in Revelation, reverse. The book of Exodus, chapter number one, I'm going to read several verses to you, then we're going to look at chapter number two. When you get there, say hallelujah. If you're not there yet, say hold up, hold up. If you didn't bring your Bible, say, I repent. No, I'm kidding. They'll they'll put the scriptures on the screen for you. Exodus chapter number one, verse one. Now, these are the names of the children of Israel which came into Egypt. Every man in his household came with Jacob. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher. See, this is why you have to be careful naming your kids out of the Bible. They end up with names like Naphtali. I had a friend one time that named their child Revival Fire. You too holy for me, man. Our daughter's name's Katie. You too holy for me, man. Dan, verse 4, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, and all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob. I just offended somebody. I know you're, you're naming your third child Naphtali. I am I apologize. It just dawned on me. There might be a Naphtali. And all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were 70. Everybody say 70. For Joseph was in Egypt already. Brandon, turn me up a little bit if you would. And Joseph died, and all his brethren, and all that generation. And the children of Israel were fruitful, and they increased abundantly, and they multiplied. And they waxed exceeding mighty, and the land was filled with them. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we are. Come on and let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And it comes to pass that when there falls out any war, they join also into our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. They built for Pharaoh treasure cities, verse 12. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. The more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew They were grieved because of the children of Israel. Drop down to verse, to chapter number two. Brandon, hit me with some more monitor, please. Chapter number two, I want to start reading with verse five. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call thee a nurse of the Hebrew woman, that she may nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take the child and nurse it for me, and I'll pay you. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses. As she said, because I drew him out of the water. Watch verse 11. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens. And he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way. And when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and he hit him in the sand. I want to teach this morning on the topic, a Moses mentality in an Egyptian situation. A Moses mentality in an Egyptian situation. You ready? Said you ready? I uh, was blessed and fortunate enough to get to attend a, a men's conference this past weekend. I got to go for two days of it or two services of it, two night services. It was down in Cleveland, Tennessee. Some dear friends of ours, some just two of the most incredible human beings you'll ever meet, Jamie Tuttle and Judy Jacobs Tuttle. Y'all might know Judy Jacobs, but these are the days of Elijah, right? Y'all, everybody That's her claim to fame, days of Elijah. And uh, so they're dear friends of ours. Jamie's actually one of our board of directors. He's one of our pastoral apostolic overseers of the house. I am communicate with him regularly just for direction and wisdom. And we got to go to their men's conference, it's called King's Table. And we went down there uh, on the second night, they were were receiving an offering, they were receiving an offering for the conference, and Miss Judy uh, got up and she shared this testimony. And I don't know what it was, I I grew up hearing these kinds of testimonies my whole life, but there was just something fresh about it. You ever, you ever, like, it's like when you read the Bible and you read it before and you've read that before, but then when God breathes on it, there's something fresh about it. There was something fresh about it. So she gets up and she tells this story about an offering. And so she's raising the offering, and she tells this. The story goes like this. They were in the middle of building their building that they're in right now that is their church building that's an absolutely beautiful facility. And she's they're believing God to build it debt-free. They're building it as they go. They're believing God. They're trusting God. They're fasting. They're praying. They're raising their money, and they're building it as they go. At, in the middle of their building process, they were out ministering at another ministry at another conference at one point in time and the ministry that they were ministering at was believing God for new cameras. It was back in the day when there was, you know, Christian TV and they were switching from analog to digital. Don't don't worry about all that. And th- this ministry was believing God for new cameras to switch over to digital. And the man of God that was ministering, that was preaching that night, he got up and he said this to the entire audience. He said, "God spoke to me and said there's a thousand people that's supposed to give $7,000 in this offering to help shift this ministry out of analog into digital." And everybody's all freaked out now, but I'm not going to start calling out numbers. So calm yourself down, all right? <laughs> I, I, that, I've never taken up an offering like that. It's not really my thing. If I ever did something like that, it would, you would you would know it's because I saw eighteen angels in person that said, you better call out this many people in this Now, I just don't do that. That's not my thing, but this is what he felt like God told him to do. He said that I see a thousand people. God spoke to me, there's a thousand people to give $7,000 to shift this ministry to where they can buy digital cameras and take their TV influence and outreach to the next level. And so that my, my friend, Miss Judy and her husband, uh, my, she she said when she heard that number, when she heard the man of God say that, she knew she was building a building back home, debt free. So as soon as she heard a thousand people to give 7000 She just immediately started saying, Lord, thank you for everybody that's supposed to give. But there's no way that's me because you and I know we got our own stuff we're trying to work through. So she's talking about hallelujah, glory to God. And the man of God says, we're not leaving until the thousand people come up here. So she just keeps praying even harder, Lord, speak to them. Do it. And she said a few minutes later, she heard somebody whisper her name, Judy, Judy. She looks up and her husband's at the front Of the altar with a checkbook. He's like, get yourself up. Get up here. She walks up there. They fighting. They fighting at the altar. (laughs) You ever had a fight at the altar? (laughs) Huh? I told you not to. I told you. She gets there and says, you know we're trying to build this building debt free. So we're going to sow a seed because we believe what we make happen for somebody else, God will make happen for us. And she's over there talking about, we ain't got no $7,000. dollars We believe it. We got to put carpet down. We we sowing the seed. We ain't got the money. We sowing the seed. We ain't got the money. We write a check by faith. (laughs) Right? So they end up, they sow the seed. They believe God. One of the biggest seeds they'd ever sown in their life. They sow the $7,000. They're like, glory to God. Jesus, if you don't move, because we had that money earmarked for some other stuff, but if you don't move, we're going to look like a fool. She said three days later, a lady calls her on the phone and says, hey, Judy, are you still trying to build that building debt free? She said, yes, ma'am, I am. She said, good, because I put a check in the mail today for $150,000 to go towards your building. I ain't got nobody to help me this morning. Brandon turned me up on the monitors, brother. I ain't got nobody to help me this morning. So she says, I, God turned $7,000 into $150,000. And that ain't where the story stops. She said about three weeks later, it was my 50th birthday. And a woman walked up to me with an envelope and said, here, happy birthday, Judy. Now, don't you lose this. And you need... <laughs> You can act like you don't do this, but you know what she did, right? She had to go to the bathroom <laughs> with the envelope in her hand, ripped the envelope open, open a check, boom, $50,000. Not made to her ministry, made out to her. God took 7000 and now he's turned it into 200000 She walks out of the bathroom. Another woman walks up to her. With a birthday card. I ain't getting no help up in this Presbyterian. Drive the doubt right out of you. Another lady walks up to her with a birthday card. and says, happy birthday, Miss Judy. So glad you're turning 50. Don't you lose this. I think I left my phone in the bathroom. Runs to the bathroom. Opens up the card. Another check. Boom. Another $50,000. Listen, God is not a slot machine where you can put in 7,000 and out pops 250, but God is moved by your act of obedience. So when we do what he tells us to do, then he starts doing what only he can do. If there's anybody that believes God is still big enough to supernaturally, overwhelmingly bless you, I wish you would give him a praise and shout hallelujah. Our problem is, as a church, now I, I am naturally, I am naturally, I am naturally wired to think practically. I'm naturally wired to think numbers, and how much is it going to cost, and I'm naturally wired to think practically. And, 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 and it just good, good common, it, I don't even know why we call it common sense. We should call it uncommon sense. Right. I'm naturally wired to think that way. However, we can get so practical and so naturally minded that we cut ourselves off from God's supernatural supply. There are some stuff that I'm believing God for and that you're believing God for that if you follow all the Dave Ramsey steps, it's going to take you 30 years. I love Dave. He's my guy. He's my guy. All right. I ain't hating on Dave. What I am saying, if you only think naturally, it'll suck the faith right out of you. How do you go from zero to $250,000 in less than a month? You ain't got an investment that can do that for you. You ain't got a budget that'll work that out for you. You want know to tell you what it is? Faith and trust in God. You want know to tell you what it is? Getting your finances, this ain't even about money, but it's getting your finances over into the kingdom of God so you can get the kingdom stuff working for you instead of the stock market stuff working for you. You're awful quiet now. Christians, we, we're all, we're we're always going to be torn between. We're, you know, it's really not a question that it needs answered. It's a tension that you have to manage. You'll manage it for the rest of your life. Your life is full of tensions that you're constantly having to manage. With my kids, how permissive do I be? Because if I'm too permissive, they grow up to be hellions. Can I say that? In, Knuckle. Cool. they turn out to be challenges. <laughs> or if you're too over the top, they also rebel. So you're managing the tension between how far is too far with the authority. I've kind of figured out, I only mention about 25% of what i think right because i could be preaching to them all day long fix your hair brush your teeth put on your shoes clean your house and you're always managing attention when it comes to your finances you're going to be managing attention i want to be practical to the point because jesus said things like no man goes and builds a tower unless he first counts the cost right He talks about living within your means. But then he says stuff like, but if you got a mountain standing in front of you, if you got a mountain standing in front of you, if you got something that that budget can't move for you, why don't you just stand up in faith and start talking to it? Because... You got this tension you got to manage. You got some stuff that you can fix practically, but there's some other stuff that only God can fix when you begin to operate in the faith and the supernatural abundance that God has for you. And I want to come to you this morning and tell you there's some stuff that you're believing for that will only come into your life if you do it the kingdom way and not the natural way. Is that all right? Can you hear that? That's why, so we got Israel, we got Israel going into Egypt as a family of 70 people, as a family of 70 people. And your Bible says they grow up to the point where they are actually bigger and stronger than Egypt. There are more of them than there are of the Egyptians. But the Bible says that Egypt was able to enslave Israel. How does a weaker nation enslave a stronger nation? They went into Egypt as a family and grew into a nation. Their problem was they were still thinking like a family. Let me give it to you this way my mother in law, she's, she's got two dogs, she's got a big golden retriever. This thing's gigantic, it's huge. And he's a psycho. Absolutely out of control. It's this big dog. And then she's got a little Havanese who is the most snooty. I hope she don't hear this message. She's the most snooty, arrogant. Turn your nose up at you. Will not eat dog. Do not put dog food in my... Do you think I'm some kind of an animal? Yeah. I have... And it's funny to watch the little dog and the big dog interact because the little dog, the Havanese, when the golden retriever came into the family, he was a little dog too. And so one little dog was able to dominate the other little dog. But now the other little dog's a big dog, but still acting like a little dog because his mind didn't change as he grew into who he was supposed to be. You want to tell you what our real problem is? You want to tell you why we stay defeated and why we stay broke? Because we don't really know who we are. How can a devil that's been defeated by the king of kings and the lord of lords still have so much impact in our life? How can the little dog influence the big dog? It's because the big dog don't know who it is. And the reason you allow some of that stuff to still happen, the reason you allow worry and stress and anxiety, and pressure and never enough and don't, can't make ends meet and get stressed out when a bill for $25 shows up because you don't know how you're going to pay for it. The reason that can still work its way in you is because you're still thinking yeah, right. like who you were yeah, right. instead of who you are. Come on. Yeah, right. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah, on. One of the great, one of the great one of the greatest, most challenging issues that I see facing the church is we don't know who we are. Yeah, it's true. It's true. We don't know who we are. We have completely lost sight of all of the rights and privileges that Jesus purchased for us on his cross. That's why we stay sick. And I know some of you got problems with it. I know some of you don't like faith teaching like this. That's fine. Stay broke. It's fine. Stay sick. It's fine. It's fine. If the, if the apex of what Jesus accomplished for you on the cross was your eternal salvation, then we should have shot you after you said yes. Right? If the, if the totality of the work of Christ on the cross was no hell, yes heaven, then we should do everything we can to send you there as fast as we can. That is not the totality of what God purchased for you. It's really interesting. When people get saved, you also have to teach them not what life's supposed to look like then, but what life can look like now. I want to break a mentality off of somebody. I want to break some redneck thinking off of somebody. I want to break some backwoods Alabama, backwoods Tennessee thinking off of somebody. Sometimes you have to rise above how you were raised. Come on. Come on. That's, why the, that's why Paul would say things like this. You're called to reign as a king in this life. Jesus never told anything like that. Have you ever read, do you own a Bible? Jesus said, no man has given up houses, lands, father and mother that does not receive 100 fold in this life. In this life and in the world to come. I am tired of us being a church that the only thing we have to offer people is prayer. I'm going through a tough time. I'm about to foreclose on my house. Well, bless God, I'll pray for you. Because we're not empowered enough to like really help you, so we'll just pray for you. John talked about it. He said, how do you see your brother have need and shut up your bowels of compassion? And all you say to him is, be warm, be filled. God bless you. Hope it works out. I want a church that's empowered to prevent brokenness on behalf of somebody else. That's You are blessed to be a blessing. God wants to give to you and God wants to give through you. God wants you to have more than enough because there's going to be somebody that does not have enough. Just, I got four of you. That's, that's good. Right. <laughs> the people that don't like it don't be hating on the people that believe that God wants you blessed so when they start rolling up in something that secretly you wish you had <laughs> come on somebody <laughs> our first time guests are like what in the name of God is going on just another Sunday huh? that's what it means to be blessed It means to be able to prevent. It means to be empowered to prevent misfortune on behalf of another. The anointing that God has on your life is not for you. It's to break the yoke off somebody else. And God wants to empower you to such a degree that you got so much left over. When a young single mom comes to you and says, I don't know what I'm going to do to pay my bills this month. Don't worry about it, sweetie. Because I'll offer you prayer and I'll write a check. Glory be to God. Is that too carnal? Is that too too carnal? He even told him in 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 Deuteronomy, he said, I'm going to give you the power to get wealth. And he's not talking about spiritual riches, whatever that term means, that we charismatics made up because we don't like to talk about money. Well, he's talking about spiritual riches. What does that mean? He said that we are all, Paul said in Ephesians, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has already blessed us. With all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. You as rich as you going to be spiritually. Yeah. 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 I've given you the power to get wealthy. Yeah. Yeah. Why? So you, right. yeah. Yeah. so you can establish my covenant in the earth. So you can establish my covenant in the earth. So Israel walks in as a family. 70 people looking at this big nation. Egypt, and Egypt actually bailed them out of a famine, right? But Israel begins to grow, and they begin to increase, and they begin to become everything God's called them to be, and the weaker nation is able to inflict and enslave the stronger nation because they're not thinking up to the level that God has brought them to. You will never go further than your mind takes you. That's why when God got ready to deliver Israel, he sent Moses. And when he sent Moses, he wouldn't allow Moses to be raised by the Israelites. Because if Moses, the deliverer, is raised by the Israelites, he's going to grow up thinking just like them. So I got to put Moses in the palace. So I've got to let Moses be raised by Pharaoh's daughter so he will have a glimpse of something that's greater. So when he comes down to Israelites, he says, i got to tell you, there's something better for you than working with your hands, building bricks out in the desert. I've been to the other side of this and I don't think like you. God had to allow Moses to be raised by Pharaoh in the palace so his mentality would never be one of a slave because he knows if I allow Israel to raise Moses, they will talk him out of the very deliverance I've anointed him for so I can't let him get around their unbelief. I can't let him get around their defeat. I can't let him get around their slave mentality. There are some people in your life that they are talking you out of the very blessing that God has designed for you and at some point, some has got to stand up on the inside of you and say, I love you, but I'm called to live better than the life that you're always complaining about and if I have to cut you off to get to where I'm going, then I'll cut you off. You can't be around people that throw shade at you when God blesses you. You can't be around people that you feel funny talking about when God does something for you. I got some friends around me that I can't wait to look at them and say, hey, we got a church debt free. Glory to God. And they ain't going to look at me and say, well, well, I don't know how you did that. They won't say, of course you did, glory yeah. to God, because that's what God has planned for us. Hear what I'm saying? That's why you gotta be that's why you gotta be careful throwing rocks right. when God does something for somebody else. Right. Because if you would celebrate it, you could attract it. <clears throat> <clears throat> because the blessing of God is either attracted. Or repelled by our attitude when he blesses somebody else. Come on. Our attitude is either scheduling or delaying God's intervention in our own life. So when you got those people around you, it's always complaining and always frustrated. I could, I could. Can I get real plain? Yeah. I don't care what you think about. I'm not going to talk about Joel Osteen. Got real weird in here. He ain't preaching the gospel. Un-American. He ain't preaching that gospel. On, <laughs> well, you ain't, the gospel. Yeah. you ain't living the gospel. You ain't living a You ain't living the gospel. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't talking about TD Jakes. Yeah. That's my bishop. Yeah. Why people don't even know what a bishop is? They're like what? <laughs> I ain't talking about John Gray buying his wife a car. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I might want to buy mine one one day. Yeah. 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 And if I can celebrate what God did for somebody else, God can do it for me. Yeah. 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 Right. I Had a buddy of mine here in town. He's he's relocating to a bigger church building. As soon as I saw it online, I thought glory to God. Yeah. And then the thought hit me, his old building's about to be empty. Glory to God. Hey, brother, you need help moving? We'll send the whole we'll send the whole church over there. We know how to set up and tear down some stuff. Glory to God. Huh? That's why you gotta have a Moses mentality. When you're living in an Egyptian situation, you got to have a mindset that says, it ain't supposed to be like this. Right, right. You and your wife sitting over the dinner table fighting over the money because you don't know how to, oh, fighting over the money because you don't know how the bills are going to get paid. I can't say it ain't supposed to be like this. It ain't supposed to be like this. You don't know how you're going to send your kids to college. You stressed out and freaked out. It ain't supposed to be like this. You got to have a Moses mentality when you're in the middle of an Egyptian situation. You got to have something that rises up on the inside of you that says, I'm going to obey God with whatever he tells me to do because if I do, I know he'll bring me out. Got to have a Moses mentality. You will never rise above your level of confession or your level of thinking. Most of us are in the issues and the problems and the situations we're in because we talked and thought ourselves into them. We complained so much about it that we got it. You want me to tell you why? Because faith works both ways. According to your faith, the number one way that you release your faith toward God is through your words. And when we talk defeat, and when we talk doubt, and when we talk negativity, your faith is working for you. According to your faith, be it unto you. And when that's what you're believing for, that's what you get. So Moses looks at the Israelites being beaten. Just think, an Israelite being beaten by an Egyptian. And he was so defeated in his mind. He didn't have the wherewithal to stand up for himself. Why? Because this is what it's like. This is life. Band, you guys can come on up. This is what it is. This is what we do. We're oppressed. We're defeated. We're broken. But somebody that didn't think like them finally said, it ain't supposed to be like this. It ain't supposed to be like this. You got to reach a point in your life where you say, this pain in my body that I'm chronically wrestling with, the devil is a liar. It ain't supposed to be like this. My kids not serving God the way I want them to serve God. It's not supposed to be like this. Me and my husband fighting over foolish nonsense. It's not supposed to be like this. You mean I can change my life by simply changing my mind? Absolutely. That's why Romans says, "Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind." If you would change the way you think, and you could change the way you talk, you would change your situation. When he says, "Be transformed by the," ain't hey, no y'all ain't minute me no. You me talk some more about you getting some money. He says, when you are not conformed to this world, but you are transformed, the Greek word is metamufu. That is the word metamorphosis. He said, if you can get this under control, if you can start taking this and making it line up with God's word, then you'll go through an entire metamorphosis. You cannot afford, listen, you cannot afford to have a thought in your head about you. That God does not have in his head about you. I'm trying to help you, church. So he says, it's not supposed to be like this. That's what it means when the Bible says that David encouraged himself. When you ain't got nobody else to encourage you, sometimes you just got to go look in the bathroom mirror. See, this is too crazy for some of y'all you got to go look yourself in the mirror and say, you know what? It ain't going to be like this. I'm not going to struggle like this for the rest of my life. I'm not going to wrestle like this for the rest of my life. This ain't always going to be in my marriage. This ain't always going to be in my mind. I'm not going to be tormented for the rest of my life. I'm not going to be struggling to make ends meet for the rest of my life. I'm going to do the budget, and I'm going to pay off the debt, and I'm going to chill out on the credit card. But besides all that, I need some faith working. I need some kingdom benefit, some kingdom advantage working. And the way I do that is I start talking to the mountain, and I say, be removed and be cast into the sea. Amen? So how do, I was thinking last night, so how do you teach, how do you teach people that are people of faith, how do you teach them to manage their money according to the kingdom of God? You teach them, first step, step number one, I don't care how complex your budget is, I don't care if you got 14 layers of Excel spreadsheets. You nerd. I am, I'm the nerd in our house. Lindsay's just like, "Just tell me how much I can spend." I'm the nerd, I know I know what it's like. I don't care how complex the budget is. If you ain't tithing, you're going to struggle the rest of your life. And I'm not saying that trying to get money out of you. Our bills are paid. I'm not receiving a special offering because we got a need and believe it. No, I'm not. We don't have a need besides a building. Our bills are paid. It's paid. But if tithing is not number one, you're always going to struggle. Well, I ain't got enough money to tithe. You ain't got enough money not to tithe. You ain't got enough money not to tithe. God's gonna get paid before my iPhone bill. And you know what? If I, if I sow my seed into the kingdom before my iPhone bill gets paid, never missed an iPhone bill. See how that works? So, how you teach people to manage money? Number one tithe. You gotta tithe. The Bible says if you're not doing that, you're a thief and a robber. You're a thief. Man, this is the wrong message to preach with all these first-time guests here. God bless you. You're a thief. Then what you need to do, well, you need to live on a budget. You need to live on a budget. Smoke coming off your credit card, you need to slow that puppy down. A debit card works just like a credit card. Yeah. Except the money comes out then. You look at. I'm telling you, <laughs> when we take our kids shopping and then I pull up the bank statement and I'm like that's a mathematical impossibility how did that happen the amount of money that a 12 year old can spend is obscene you gotta live on a budget you gotta get out of debt all wonderful you gotta have your insurance in place glory to God you gotta have your retirement glory to God I'm with you and then what What about when you're doing all that? What you got to do then? You got to start talking to it. Some of you are doing all that, but you ain't talking to it yet. Oh, you say a little declaration on Sunday when we're talking about, I am blessed and highly favored, glory to God. But you got to talk to it every day. Put your checkbook on the floor and walk around it. Like an Indian around a bonfire if you have to, just walk around and start talking to it. I am blessed and I walk in increase and I'm not going to struggle like this for the rest of my life. You got to talk to it. You know what else you got to do? You got to think different about it. Some people are so used to being defeated when God bless them, they feel funny. You never know how much you worry about money till you get to a place where you ain't got to worry about money anymore. And that pressure's not on your brain. You're like a new man. (laughs) Can't nothing throw your weekend out of whack like a transaction you didn't know was coming. (laughs) That check went through, glory to God. We are gonna go out to eat, but we eating ramen tonight, kids. I'm gonna show you what it used to be like. You want the chicken or the oriental flavor? Which kind do you want? You look at yourself, It ain't supposed to be like this. I'm about to really mess with you. You got tithe. Budget. Debt. Think about it differently. You got to start talking to it. I mean now, you ready? And you know what you got to do? You got to give. Over and above your tithe. The tithe is not you sowing seed for future harvest. The Bible says you tithe to remove the curse. And then everything you sow over and above the tithe is what qualifies you for harvest. When I was growing up, And we did this for years, me and my wife, we did this for years, and we kind of got away from it. I think we got away from it because I'm I'm on this side of it all the time instead of that side of it. But when I was growing up, I was taught. And again, I'm not trying to get money out of you. You ain't got to give anything today. You don't have to give anything. I'm not trying to get anything from you. I'm trying to get some stuff to you. I'm trying to get you into some things and into some blessing and into some places. But I was taught by a great man of faith. He would always tell me, you don't ever let an offering bucket go by and you don't put something in it. I don't care if you got to take a shoestring out your shoe and put it in there, rip a button off your shirt and throw it in there, but sow something. Because the more seed I got in the ground, the more harvest I got headed my way. So me and Lindsay, we, we covenanted together last night again. It's like we, we've been too busy taking up offerings. And she's normally working in the kids and I'm normally in here doing my thing. We're never going to let an offering pass us by. Ever. Dump, dump the change out your purse. I still don't even know why they still make change. Pennies. When's the last time you used a penny? <laughs> Y'all like that dollar menu? That's where them pennies come in strong. So you tithe, you budget, be smart, live below your means, get out of debt, start confessing over it, start thinking differently about it, and then you give over and above. See, we we always quote Malachi, right? Malachi chapter three. You've robbed God. Where have we robbed you? In tithe and offerings. So we have a tendency when we're paying our tithe we have a tendency to go hey praise God I'm doing good glory to God paying my tithe but why are we still struggling because you've not been qualified for increase yet see this is making some of you uneasy I don't care if you got to put two dollars above the tithe don't ever let it pass you by. and a lot of you you don't go to church here you're just visiting I'm not talking about when you come I'm talking about when you go back home on Sunday, Sunday night Wednesday night Tuesday night Friday night, whatever night you got it, I'm going to make sure I get some seed in the ground. I said I'm going to make sure I get some seed in the ground. The only way to have a perpetual harvest, the only way to have a harvest that never dries up is to be sowing a seed that never dries up. You hearing what I'm saying? Y'all with me this morning? Hallelujah. Lift your hands to the Lord. Father, we thank you. You're so awesome. You're so good. You want us to walk in blessing. You want us to walk in abundance. You want us to walk in more than enough. And your word shows us how. Father, if in any way we have operated financially in a way that displeases you or is contrary to your word, we repent of that, Lord. We repent of it. Forgive us. Forgive us and help, help us get back sorted out where we need to be, believing you and trusting you. And then we want to see you come through in a way that will blow our minds, in ways that will blow our minds. We love you, Lord. Somebody give Jesus a shout this morning. Come on. Somebody give Jesus a shout this morning. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.